0: J Will from J Will Keyshawn and Max joining us here as we do on Tuesday. I'm I'm I I appreciate that you uh, you get a chuckle out of that, but that's the way I process it. I don't uh, I don't need some I don't need the man to tell me what the order is supposed to be in. Um, <laughs> not not to uh, not to first take this up. But did Miami win this series or did Boston lose it? I mean,
1: I, I, I would. <laughs> I would say that
0: Miami won it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, at the end of the day, Ag, there are some identity issues going on with the Boston Celtics. They have dug themselves their own their own graves. They are the more talented team, and there was a sense of urgency that they played with from the beginning. Instead of waiting for games four, five, and six, this would have been a completely different scenario. But they didn't take care of business. And uh, I think it's that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type personality challenge um, where you never know what you're going to get. And people can say, well, they weren't making shots last night. And then I say, well, they got lured into taking a lot of threes. <laughs> and from, from a guy that would easily – like I am the, the mouse that will get snapped in a trap because I'm taking the cheese. Like in college, if we saw a team play zone – Oh my goodness. It was going up and we we're gonna blitz you. But you know what? We had dead eye shooters on our team, yeah. Adam. And when you look at this the the personnel wise of this Boston Celtics team, they have scores, but they don't have shooters. So when you go twelve of seventy seven over your last two games and they're luring you into taking a lot of threes instead of getting the ball into the teeth of the zone, like that's part on coaching and that's part on the guys who have this experience of being in NBA finals and not really having that leadership to help them get over the hump.
0: I know I heard you talking about it this morning. How big is a, would a point guard be like, no offense to Jason Tatum. He's not a point guard. Same thing with Jalen Brown, Marcus smarts, not a point guard. Like if you threw just, and and you brought up the name, one of my favorite players in the league, Tyus Jones. If you threw somebody who can put people in the right spots on that team, how much better could they be?
1: They could win an NBA championship. I mean, almost in a way. If you're not going to do that, I'm like, no, you need to change up the style in which your offense is being ran, right? And I get how when you're shooting hot from the outside, you can still play that way. But if you're if you're if your shots aren't going in, then go to some resemblance of the triangle, because at least I know I can I can have Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown catch the ball on the pinch post, the elbow. I can have them catch the ball on the lower box and put them in positions where they can either get to the free throw line or they can rack the ball and see the ball go in with their mid-range game. This style they have now is either live by the three or die by the three. They have some kind of insane record when they shoot over 40% from the three-point line, right? Like they've lost like yeah. three games. It's like 30-something in three. Um, but if not, then you need somebody that can say, no, Jason, I don't need you dancing with the ball <laughs> six or seven dribbles. You know, or no, Jalen Brown, I don't really need you wasting your dribbles and turning the ball over nine times in the course of the game. Catch the ball here at this operating position. Let's run this set to get our Al Hooper to touch down low and let him punish a smaller person if they switch. There's nobody managing the game for them. They're all just reacting. And you need somebody to proactively look at the game from a coaching perspective on the floor, and they don't have anybody currently like that.
0: So it just seems to me like they play five out, nobody in most of the time. Know. And I mean that's good if you've got five guys who can who are going to bury shots or a bunch of guys who can drive and draw double teams and kick to open shooters but it just seems like Boston settled for a lot of shots especially last night and their defense wasn't nearly as good uh, I know they went underneath a lot of screens and maybe that's why Miami shot 50% from three point range
1: I mean look we had Tim Bontemps on today and he was like yeah defense wasn't the problem like you're wrong you're so wrong. <laughs> I, defense was the problem. Yeah. I mean, th- there were times I saw Caleb Martin get wide open shots or lazy contest or miscommunication on switches or, like you just stated, Adam, going under ball screens. I'm like, uh, where's the sense of urgency? Is this a game seven or is this just another day at TD Garden? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of Boston fans can resonate with the fact that it, we it didn't seem like there was that same identity that this team had last year. And a lot of that has to do with coaching and a lot of that has to do with taking ownership and accountability about how this team is being ran from the player inside out perspective.
0: Jay will is joining us here on the Adam gold show. Now Miami moves on to take on Denver. I want just want you and I talked last week about how much fun it is to watch Jimmy Butler when he's in his bag. I didn't think we saw that the last few games. We certainly didn't see that last night, but as tough as Jimmy is, he is able to impact the game in a lot of other ways. Uh, frankly, shouldn't, shouldn't Caleb Martin, PAC pro, NC State, fa- NC State fans, shouldn't he have been the MVP of the series?
1: Yeah, I mean, fine. I, I think one of the things I love about it, though, Adam, is the same way that when Jimmy got the trophy, I'm sure Jimmy would have loved to have Caleb Martin win the MVP. He would have rather it been Caleb than him. Right. I don't know if you even saw a post-game afterwards, Bam out of Bayou is trying to hand him the Easter Conference trophy, and he <laughs> literally mouths to him, no, I don't want to hold that. I want to <laughs> hold the next one. Right? So everything about who Jimmy Butler is is what you love about him as a teammate. It's like when guys say, well, the role players, and he's like, we don't utilize the word role players. I call them teammates. I mean, Dave Vincent, and, yep. and that's the thing you love about this team. Everybody buys into – that role for that specific occasion, and it doesn't get conflated. It's not like, well, I had 26 this game. That means I should take 20 shots next game. It's like, well, next game presents a different challenge, a different alternative look scheme-wise. It's going to be set up for this player, or maybe it is set up for me. And I think it's that lack of ego that gets everybody to buy into. So I'm sure in the world of Jimmy Butler, he'd much rather Caleb Martin be the Eastern Conference MVP and win the Larry. The Larry Bird Trophy, but also, did you see the way he looked at the Larry Bird Trophy? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want this damn thing anyway.
0: Right, it's true, it's true. Look, but but again, Butler's one of my favorite players to watch, and that team is just absolutely nails. And Eric Spolstra, I know, I think we have kicked it around. I mean, he's probably the best coach. In the NBA. And he's been, I was just, I was reading his bio. It's amazing how he started. He started very early on. He was only a couple of years playing. I didn't even realize he played at Portland. Uh, and he was an all-West all Coast Conference player. And he had a little bit of a cup of coffee overseas. But ultimately, has gotten got right into coaching. And Pat Riley stuck with him. And, I mean, it's just an incredible, that organization is incredible.
1: Well, I mean, Adam, you can make a case that before it's all said and done that the Miami Heat just have an unfair advantage against any team in the NBA. They, they will, before it's all said and done, Pat Riley is already considered a top five coach in NBA history. Yeah. I think Eric Spolstra will inevitably move into that five spot. I really, I mean, he's six NBA finals already. He's yeah. won two of LeBron and D-Wade. And a lot of people love to... You know, simplify that. Well, anybody can coach. No, anybody can't coach LeBron James <laughs> and Dwayne Wade. Nobody managing those egos yep. with Chris Bosh and Mario Chalmers and Udonis Haslam. That's not easy to do. So when he got one in 2006 as an assistant coach there, I mean, what a story to go from a, a, a videographer, right, with yep. the team, a video editor, to now being considered one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game of basketball. But that's what that Miami Heat culture... I mean, even think about Kayla Martin. I mean, you, it takes Jay Cole to call Karam <laughs> Butler, the assistant coach, to get a guy that gave you 26-10 in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 to get him a shot to try out for this team. That is what this team epitomizes. Everybody gets a shot to be the guy, and they operate as one unit.
0: Really is really is amazing. Uh, Denver... Is is Denver too much for Miami? I think
1: Denver is a different type of animal. I think for Jimmy Butler going against a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or a Marcus Smart is very different. Or even a, a Jalen Brunson or a Josh Hart, um, even a Drew Holiday is very different than going against an Aaron Gordon who's six eight. Yeah, who he can't just physically overpower. Uh, Jimmy gets to a lot of sweet spots on the court. Uh, but the the lack of height and length from those other defenders I just mentioned allows Aaron Gordon, even if he does get beat, to recover easily to deter those shots. So that's going to be a major matchup uh, that we're going to pay attention to. You know, Bam, who at times played well, uh, didn't play well last evening, he's going to have his, his hands full. I mean, this isn't a Robert Williams who just rolls to the bucket for alleys. Yeah. Right? This isn't a Julius Randle who is – very inconsistent with the wave of emotions. Uh, This isn't a Brooke Lopez who hangs more in the perimeter. This is a guy whose usage rate is (laughs) 99.99999% in every aspect of the offense. So his ability to be engaged consistently is going to be, it's going to be a challenge for him. And by the way, I I always equate Jokic to like a phone booth boxer where it's like, he wants to be on the inside of you. He wants Mm -hmm. to exchange body blows. You know, can the the frailness of Bam allow that? And can he hinder that? Um, And can they take advantage of it on the offensive end as well? So I I think the physicality is going to be really hard for Miami. But, I mean, once again, Miami's going to be the underdog. Shocking that they've been (laughs) in every series they played in thus far.
0: Yeah, I mean they've been awesome and they're and they're fun to watch. I'd love to see Miami get another title. Who knows when we do place your bets later, I might even take them on the money line. Ooh. Um I might I might just because I had Miami over Boston at plus 400 going into the series. So uh wow. it, um, it it would be even better Jay if I actually wagered money on it, but I don't. Um I don't. I just it just we have a segment where we place bets and uh and I'm actually up a lot because I don't actually place money on it. Uh, let me. I got two more things. Two more things for you. First is because I heard the audio on your program this morning. Jay, Will, Keyshawn, and Max. Uh, no Keyshawn today. Hope he's. Uh, hope he's uh, got his feet up somewhere. Um, Scottie Pippen. Like, uh, did he go a little too far by by saying that Michael Jordan was a horrible player, or did d- should he have just stopped and said, Look, we could. He couldn't take advantage of how great he was until he had more help. That's a lot different than being called a horrible player.
1: Yeah, I mean, he should have done the latter. But obviously, there are are personal personal things uh, between the two that have not been resolved, right? Yeah. Um, But that, you see, look, both of these players are some of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. But it's, it's one of the things that I've, You've heard a lot of players, former players, talk about that when you know we live in this reality, you have to pit one against the other. There's right. only room for one. There's no way in hell could Kareem Matt, Kareem, and Michael and LeBron just be the greatest to ever do it. Like, we have to find a number one. But there's a lot of collateral damage on, on both sides of the way you go about doing it, right? On mm-hmm. the LeBron side, he wants to be friends with everybody, even though that's not the case. Right. Even though he's one of the most, competitive, but that's the narrative out there about him. And then the other collateral damage with Michael Jordan is, you know, when you're the greatest and it's by any means necessary, you have a lot of teammates that don't look at you as trying to do what's in their best interest to help them. Right. Uh, so I think it's that aspect of their relationship. And it's also a lot of the other stuff that's happened. And how does it not factor into it? Um, you know, and I don't want to get into personal stuff. That's, I'll allow other people yeah. who, who do that stuff to kind of lean into that. But, you know, it has to be tough. All I know is that Pippen is one of the top greatest players to ever play the game. He's top 50 all time. And I, I hate seeing what's happening to him. Um, a lot of that is self-inflicted. But Scotty's competitive as hell, too, now. Yep. And Scotty was one of the best defenders to ever play the game of basketball. So, yeah, it's personal. Uh, but there's also some truth. To what Scotty talks about, and obviously that is felt uh, across the TV screen and across everybody that hears it.
0: Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Michael needed help. I mean, he wasn't he didn't he hadn't won any titles. He needed a player as good as Pippen and a couple of other players, by the way, as well, uh, to f- uh, finally get past the Pistons and go on that run where Michael won six titles in a row. Basically, when he was there for a full season. Let me ask you one more thing before I let Jay will go. Uh, why does Nick Nurse choose Philly over Phoenix?
1: That's a great question. I, mean, I can't wait to hear that from Nick Nurse. Um, look, I, I, I like my, my odds in the East way more, and I like my odds in the West, frankly. Okay. Um, you know, it, it has to be that relationship with Joel Embiid and front office. Yeah. He, he has to believe in Daryl Morey. He has to believe in what Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, will bring to the table again next year. I, and I, I think Nick Nurse is, is probably the right guy for the job. You know, they're they going to have this – the $40 million cap hit by Tobias Harris is going to hinder this team personnel-wise. Yeah. But, you know, maybe they do it on the defensive end. I will say scheme-wise, I think you are getting an upgrade from Doc Rivers. Now, just because you get an upgrade scheme-wise doesn't mean that the players will buy into the mm-hmm. scheme. And I think that is going to be the biggest challenge for Nick Nurse. Can he get James Harden and the company to buy into it if James Harden decides to sign back?
0: J-Will, Keyshawn, and Max. I paused for effect for, for a reason. I, I love it. I love <laughs> it.
1: That's such a great name of a show.
0: <laughs> J-Will with the other guys. Um, I'll talk to you next week, my man. I appreciate your time.
1: Okay, brother. All right, brother. You got it. Have a good day.
0: You too.